Here he comes. We got some special stuff. This is. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. Oh, all right. He already, he already has one fan. You, Youth bro. Pastor Matt Komar with some special visuals today. Those of you sitting close to the front, be careful. We got black spray paint up here. So, no, you're all right. I'm kidding. All right. Morning, everybody. How's everybody feeling? Awesome. Okay, yeah, and we're going to do a little spray painting this morning, have a little fun. Like I said uh, to first service, I really was not much of a rebel in high school or college. I never got to tag up any buildings or... So I'm living it up today, up here on stage. I'll spray paint something. Um, like John said, my name is Matt. I'm the youth pastor here, and I just want to welcome you again to this final week in a series on money. <clears throat> We're actually not going to talk about money, if that's okay. <laughs> um, listen, time and money, very, very similar in lots of ways. So much so, we, we all know the phrase, time is money. Anybody know who said that originally? Time is money. Who said that? Local boy. Come on. First, first service was right on it. BF, BF. Ben Franklin. There it is. Time is money. Uh, we think about our time, how we talk about our time. We budget it. We try to save it. We think about ways that we want to invest our time. We get really irritated when we feel like our time has been stolen from us. We think about how much a commitment will cost us in terms of time. So this morning, we want to talk about time. Um, but we are going to do more than just play word games. Uh, we want to talk about something that matters. And listen, um, here's what it is this morning. I want to, get at, want to get at the anxiety we feel around our time. I want to get at the pressure that we feel when it comes to our time. Just like money, we feel a lot of pressure and a lot of anxiety around our time, especially when it's, we feel like it's dwindling or slipping away. When our balance in our bank account starts dwindling, we start to feel a little anxious. When we get the sense that our time is beginning to dwindle, like we're running out of it, like we don't have enough, we begin to feel very anxious. Um, Listen, regarding this anxiety, regarding this pressure that we feel, God has something to say. And it is that which we will be concerned with this morning. Uh, our anxiety, the pressure we feel when it comes to our time, when it comes down to it, it means that we miss out on some of the good things God has in store for us. Jesus said this about why he came to this earth, that we might experience life to the full, life abundant, life with no lack. And that means freedom from anxiety. So let's try to get at this. Um, we're going to need God's help, so let's, let's pray. Father, please help us. We can be anxious people, and our anxiety can be rooted in the amount of time we have. In fact, some of us here this morning, uh, we're already anxious about what we've got going on this afternoon. God, you, you want us to be free from that. You want us to be able to live 
in our moments, free from fear, free from anxiety. God, your desire for that is good. God, this morning, help us to see time the way you do. Help us to see our moments the way you do, even our entire lives the way you do. God, we want to see things the way you do. God, as we sang just a little bit ago, when you do what only you can do, it changes what we see and what we seek. God, I pray that this morning would be helpful in, in achieving that. Amen. All right. Well, let's jump into um, kind of how we view our time. And as a kind of a, a springboard, I like to talk about some good music. Okay, any music fans in here? Any music fans in the house? We'd love some music. Four songs specifically. Um, now, here's my question. Besides, besides being awesome, what do all four of these songs have in common? Go ahead and shout something out. What do you think? Besides just being great songs. They are very long songs. <laughs> they are long songs. Absolutely. Listen, that, you know, they're, they're classics, they're long, they have beautiful solos, all those are very great answers, but listen, here's the right answer, the right answer is this, every single one of these songs has caused the exact same argument between me and my wife in the car. <laughs> this is a true story, because here's what happens, look, these songs, they don't start off like grabbing your attention, do they? Very, very kind of slow and so much so that you're into that song, you're into that song quite a ways. Or, or, or you're not, you're like, or I'm not into this song at all, and the channel's been changed. You're into this song quite a ways, and you're, and you're wondering, is this, is this going anywhere? Is this, is, this, is this going anywhere? Is there, there going to be any life to this? And, and most importantly, is the thing that we weigh, is this worth my time? But here's the thing about these four songs anymore. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> Look, we love Stairway, right? Who's this, who, who loves a Stairway? Who loves the Freebird? Look, ain't nobody got time for that anymore. Six minutes before, I, uh, before a strum starts to pick up? Come on. I got things to do, right? Got things to do. Well, what happens in the car with me and Robin is she doesn't realize until about four or five minutes into the song that she has been listening to the same song for a long time. <laughs> She's just not paying attention. And then all of a sudden... I've, I personally have invested like four or five or six minutes into this song. I know where it's going. I know, I know, what, I know the payoff to a stairway or to a free bird, right? When that solo kicks in and it crescendo. I'm, 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 I'm ready. I'm waiting. I'm investing. Robin, though, she's not even paying attention. And it's four or five minutes. I'm investing in this song. And all of a sudden, and all of a sudden she finally realizes, I have been listening to this song a long time and... It is not going anywhere. And she reaches out and poof. Those, that investment that I made, it's gone. It is gone. And I say, Robin, what are you doing? It was just about to, just about to take off. Here's the thing. We don't get six minutes into a song anymore. It just doesn't happen. In fact, we don't even get five minutes or four minutes or three minutes into a song. We don't have time for that. There is too much to do, too much to take in, too much to squeeze out of life than six minutes of slowness, 
waiting for a 30-second payoff. Look, there's a, there was a Canadian research firm did a study on us highly screened individuals, right? With smartphone users, screens all the time, highly screened individuals. Uh, we, any guesses on what they found in terms of how much time we'll give something before we decide this is not worth my time? Any guesses? 30 seconds? Eight seconds. Eight seconds, right? And so they published this article. They had this big headline that says, congratulations, humanity. Like, you now have an attention span shorter than a goldfish. Shorter than a goldfish. Goldfish is going to pay attention longer than you, okay? But, you know, I mean, it's funny to think about attention span. Actually, we're just discerning people, right? But here's the thing. We're going to make up our minds quickly whether or not something is worth, worth our time. It's very important to us. How many of us have ever said this? If a book, if a book does not grab me in the first couple pages, I'm going, to, I'm going to get a different book. A different book. Or if a movie doesn't captivate my attention right away, I'm going to move on. Listen, we, we're, it's very important to us. We are driven to making the best use of our time. We want to be efficient. We want to be effective. We want to be productive. And we don't have time to waste. And a lot of times, what we do is we feel like our time is ticking away. We feel like our time is ticking down. And we feel the pressure of that. I was, I was meeting with one of our teenagers not too long ago. And we were talking. I'm like, how you doing? What's, what's going on? And he says, this, he says, Komar, look, I wake up in the morning. I wake up in the morning and the first thing I think about is who's getting ahead of me. I wake up in the morning and I think about who, who is already up and making more of their time? Who's being more effective or more productive with their time? And he wakes up with this knot in his belly like, I'm missing out. I'm missing something. I'm, people are getting stuff done and I'm not and I can't live with that. I, there's pressure on my time. I'm anxious about my time. So I want to get at that this morning. Look, there's a fear that we live with. And it's that I'm not making the most of my time. My time is ticking down. Here's my question. Ticking down from what? My time is ticking down, ticking down from what? Answer. Most of the time, with our perspective on our life, time is ticking down from the day that I'm actually done with this life. The day that I'm done. The result is pressure, anxiety, stress, fear. And we're going we're gonna to jump into what Jesus has to say about this in just a little bit. But the first thing that we need to wrestle with is the reality that a lot of this pressure on our time, this anxiety that we feel when it comes to being effective and productive and efficient with our time is rooted in a perspective on our life where death, death is in control. My time is ticking down. So look, uh, this is what I'm talking about. Let's... I get to bust out the spray paint. Have some fun. Yeah, this is exciting. Okay, stay far away. I'm going to draw a life, okay? Draw a life. Here we go. This is my life, and this is when, when I die, okay? This is a life, and, and this, is, this is when I die. So what happens is this. I know that this is coming. I know that this is a reality that I cannot avoid and I cannot escape. And now all of a sudden, I'm thinking, I've got this much and I got to squeeze everything out of it. I got that much time, and I need to make the most of it. 
I don't want to miss out anything in this time. And here's the thing. Usually when we're about 12 or 13, our gray matter has developed to the point where we can actually think about death, right? This is, why, this is one thing I love about working with adolescents, right? And if, and if you work with like middle school kids in particular, you know that, um, you know that they do some pretty weird things inexplicably like middle school kids they just do something real weird crazy off the wall and you look at them and you say why did you just do what you did like what on earth were you thinking and they think about it and they're like ah what was i thinking i don't i don't know why i did what i just did and 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 it's true look when you're 11 or 12 or 13, your brain is just like a bomb has exploded in it. And it takes a couple years for the dust to settle and your, and your, and your gray matter to develop so you actually know what you're doing. But at the end of it, yeah, you have this ability to think about your life in the context of, of bigger things and you realize what death means. And as soon as that happens, the time starts ticking down. The time starts ticking down. Listen. We can, we can add to it, too, because we want our lives to really matter. We want to squeeze the most out of it. We begin to plan. We begin to think, man, before this happens, before this happens, I need to make sure I get everything out of this that I want. And so here's what we do. We start to plan, and we start to think, and we start to be strategic about what I want to experience in this, in this life and what I want to get out of it. And so what we do is we start, to, we start to think about the time, the time before we die. And we're like, we start to develop hopes and dreams for this, for this part leading up to our death. We start to, to think about what we, wanna, what we want that to be like. And here's what happens. Consequently, there ends up being a lot of pressure on this part of our life. Because if I don't have the right career and the right job, maybe have the right salary, those things that I've been hoping and dreaming about, those things that I've been wishing for, that, that I've been you know, dreaming of before I die, not going to happen. And we can take it further. That puts a, a, a much more intense amount of pressure on this part of my life. Because I got to go to the right college, get the right degree, Make the right connections if I'm going to have the right this part of my life and, I'm, and all my dreams are going to come true in this part of my life. And Take it back even further. Man, can you think about the pressure that puts on this part of life, these four years of, of high school? When, when all of this is depending upon what happens here, when I've got to have the right SAT score, because if the SAT score is not right or if the GPA is not right, this is not going to be right. Not going to get the right school with the right degree. With the right. And so this is all going to be jacked up and messed up and, and everything is depending on moments and there's pressure and there's anxiety. And all the while we feel like it's, it's like ticking down and slipping away from us. And we can take it back even farther to middle school. Look, we, we're, we got some teachers in the house. They'll tell you this. Middle schoolers on anxiety meds is no longer a shock. We're no longer shocked by that for those of us that work with teenagers. Like, that's a normal part of teenage life. Oh, yeah, there's so-and-so. She's taking her anxiety meds. I mean, so-and-so. It's, ooh, ooh, it's stressed out. 
anxious, feeling the burden of time ticking down and an orientation to time that is death forward. Okay. Jesus wants to help us. He teaches us about this. It's all very heavy and serious. Let's just take a peek at what Jesus has to say because here's the thing. He wants us to experience freedom from all of that. He wants us to live in our moments free and present. And so he talks about worry. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 6, famous words out of the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, so, so famous if you come to church a long time, they may seem cliche to you. But I want to dig down into them nonetheless because there are some things in here that if we really wrestle down to the ground, if we, if we really try to meditate on these things and, and grapple with the realities of what Jesus is leading us toward, it can transform the way we view every moment of our lives. Matthew chapter six, Jesus begins this part of his sermon by saying, for this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. He starts off by saying, for this reason I say to you, I just want to real quick mention, that's an invitation to consider what he's been saying up to this point. And if we, if we take a step back further, earlier in chapter six and even earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, we find out that Jesus is really pushing, pushing a couple ideas. He's really pushing us to consider where are we fixing our eyes and what are we putting our trust in? Particularly with money. He talks about treasures in heaven just before this. And he says, let's talk about worry. In light of the ways I've been challenging you, let's talk about worry. And he says, do not worry. Which almost is like, it seems dismissive in a sense. Like, oh, that's, that's nice, Jesus. Okay, so you want me to deal with my anxiety. What's the answer? Just do not worry. So simple, right? Channel, Jesus is like channeling his inner Shia LaBeouf. Anybody seen that Shia LaBeouf motivational video? Go on YouTube it if you haven't. But basically he just says, just do it. Just don't worry. Just take your worry and crush it. It like makes it sound so simple. Oh, it's just that easy. Thank you, Shia. Okay. But Jesus continues. He's not making light of our worry. He's not talking to us as if it's as simple as just, just cut it off, just cut the worry out. He goes on. And I'm, and I'm going to read through verse 34. I'm going to read. I just want to take it all in, and then we'll back up and, uh, and just try to pull three things out of this. Jesus continues. He says, Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? There's again, Jesus knows we want more time. And 
And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles, those that don't know God, eagerly seek these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Look, this passage, this teaching is incredibly rich. I want to I boil it down to just three things. Try to pull three things Jesus is saying out of this. One, is not your life more than? Two, seek first the kingdom. Three, each day. One, is not your life more than? Two, seek first the kingdom. Three, each day. See, Jesus he kind of starts pressing into the issue by challenging our perspective on our life. Isn't your life more than? He says, could it be possible that your perspective on your time is too limited? And then he says, seek first the kingdom. And then he draws us and he draws us to put our attention on eternity. And, and if we can just continue to push the, the metaphor of this chart, what Jesus is, is asking us to consider is a reality that looks something much more like this. And I get to paint again, which is exciting. But, well, come on, come on. A little help. There we go, help myself. This, went, this, this was smoother first service, I swear. Jesus is saying, hey, Let's talk about a different perspective. Let's talk about life according to this timeline. And he extends our perspective. Now, I'm not going to assume anything, and I just want to, to recognize that some of us in here this morning, we see this, and, and, and we're, not, we're, not really, we're not sure yet. We're not bought in. Okay? We're, pointing to, we're pointing to life continuing after a physical death. And I would just want to encourage you to investigate some of the things that we see and we hear from Jesus regarding this, because this is what's really neat. Okay? Jesus, Jesus said a lot about this. He taught us a lot about this because it was important to him, because he wanted us to know what it's going to be like. And just a few things, he said things like, you know, um, to the thief on the cross, he said, Today, today you will be with me in paradise. He said to his disciples, um, you're going to be heirs to a kingdom that will never end or never fail. You're going you're to inherit a kingdom that will last forever. He says to his disciples, I'm, I'm going to prepare a place for you here. He says, my father's house has many rooms this is the really neat thing, though. Jesus doesn't just talk about it and then just say, well, I've told you about it. Just, just believe it. Just believe it. 
He doesn't leave us there. He actually goes through this. And then he shows up three days later and says, here, now you know. And he shows the holes in his hands. And he says, go ahead, feel. Go ahead, feel. This, this is not the end. This is not the end. And then even beyond that, he allows some of his followers to watch him ascend. How cool is that? So I know in my mind without a shadow of a doubt that this, this is not something he's making up. This is not some carrot he's dangling in front of me so I can do his bidding or his will, but like this is, what, this is where he is leading me. This is what he wants for me. Now, the really, the really cool part is this. If we decide to, to stock our hopes and our dreams to live for this, if we orient our time and our lives around the reality of this promised inheritance, this kingdom, it transforms the way we view every single moment leading up to this. It gives us an amazing amount of freedom living for this, living for something that will never change, for something that will endure. See, here's the thing. Like, we can, we can live for... We could live for the future, but, but there's no guarantee. Look, you can do everything right. You could do everything right every step of the way with goals in mind for this. And then who, something can happen and you never, it just doesn't happen. It could be pulled right out from under you. This, this is a promise that is assured. This is a promise that, that we can take to the bank. And when we live for it, in these moments, we're incredibly free. So for instance, like I'm in high school and I'm studying for the SAT and I'm freaking out because I keep mixing up like two or three vocabulary words and I just can't get them right in my head and, I, and my mind starts to go like, this is not gonna go well. Score's not gonna be very good. Score's not gonna be high. And, and all these dreams and hopes I have here, man, I can, just, I can see them crashing before my eyes and we start to panic and get anxious. But here's the thing. If we're not living for this, something that can be pulled out from underneath us, but we're living for this, something that is assured, something we can count on, something that will never change, here's what we know. My SAT score doesn't really matter all that much because it does not change what I'm living for and it does not change what I will inherit and it does not change what God has planned for me. It doesn't. I can get a perfect score and go to, all, go to just the right college. Or, you know what? I could bomb it. And I end up, end up, end up, end up whoop. <clears throat> Deep breath, Comar. That was some Bugs Bunny stuff. <laughs> I could bomb the SAT, and I end up going to a, to a different school. But guess what? At that different school, I'm still living for this. God is still going to use me on that campus to impact his eternity. It doesn't change. There's so much peace and rest knowing that our, our failures, our, our slip-ups, the, the things that we, if we, if we drop the ball, it does not change what is in store for us. God, there's so much peace there. Or, or like if I'm trying out for the varsity soccer team and, and I feel a lot of pressure because, listen, I gotta make varsity because 
eventually I want to be captain because on my application, I want to be able to demonstrate the leadership and I want to have the training and I want to have that recruit see me just right because all of this, all the things I'm hoping for and dreaming for here, like they're hanging in the balance. Look, if I'm living for eternity here, if I end up on the JV team, guess what? I know God is going to use me on that JV team to impact eternity. And that's my purpose. There's so much peace and rest in that. This is, this is the kind of perspective Jesus is hoping for us when it comes to our time and our moments. He wants us to be free from the pressure, but it's an eternal perspective that gets us there, reoriented to our time. And listen, I'm, please don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying that we, that we should just not have hopes and dreams here. I'm really not saying that. All I'm saying is this. What an amazing opportunity we have to impact something eternal. The promise of this so much far, so far outweighs anything we can desire or hope for here, any kind of pleasure or peace. Just, just want to go for what's best. Okay, so is not your life more than? We'll wrap this up quickly. Two, seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. Word for the seek, the seek, the Greek word, zeteo, to inquire, to investigate. And, and he says first in terms of your time and your priority. Look, you're going to spend time investigating some things, right? Like we spend time investigating that shirt that we want to buy online or on Etsy investigating that decoration I want or investigating that Airbnb that I might visit. Like we're inquiring into these things and we're investigating these things, right? Jesus says, listen, seek first, investigate first this, the mysteries of this, the mysteries of who God is and what his kingdom is. Chase after that first. We've heard this over and over again here at Grace Community Church. The first takes faith. Because we've all got a to-do list that's a million miles long. A million things we have to do and a lot of things we want to do. Jesus is saying, don't put me at the end of that list. Don't put me at the end of that list. Put me at the top of that list. Investigate me first. We know what happens when we give God our first. He multiplies the rest. We talk about that over and over with money. Do we believe that he can do that with our time? We give him the first, he'll multiply the rest. I know we're driven to efficiency and productivity. And so we're scared to give God the first. We're, because, we, because we're scared, we want to kind of control our to-do list and get the things done that are most pressing. But Jesus is saying, seek first the kingdom. All these other things will be added unto you. It's a trust thing. And it's scary. Jesus says you won't regret it. You will not regret it. Lastly, each day. Jesus concludes this teaching by saying, so do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus is saying a reorientation to our life and to our time is an each day thing. He, he calls us sheep. He knows we're prone to wander. We can, we, can, we can be reoriented to this reality and it can give us freedom, but guess what? We're gonna wander. We're gonna wander back into viewing our life death forward. Jesus says each day, he, he, he also said, look, if anyone's going to follow me, 
You got to deny yourself, pick up your cross daily and follow me. This is an each day thing. Imagine the peace he comes. We wake up. We spend time seeking who God is, seeking his kingdom. We're reoriented to our time because listen, when we encounter God, when we encounter God, we're reoriented to our time and our lives. And we can move forward in the peace and freedom knowing that this is what he has planned for me. Okay, our time is up. Um, Listen, here's, I'll just wrap this up and close in prayer. God does not, he doesn't, he doesn't force this on us. And in the, in the relationship that we have with him, we're not passive participants. We're active in this. So I just want to encourage you to wrestle with some of these things. Ask, seek, knock. Give God a chance to continually reorient us to our lives and to our time that we might experience our moments with the kind of peace and freedom that he has for us and live with the purposes that he has for us. Let's pray. Father, you just love us so much. You do, you love us so much and your hopes for our lives are so high. God, you want what is good for us, including freedom from anxiety and pressure. God, would your spirit do a work in our hearts and help us with this? God, would your spirit continually draw us to you so that we might be able to live each moment with the kind of freedom from anxiety that you desire, with the perspective on our life that you have. God, help us to trust what you have promised. Amen. Amen. Matt Comore, everybody. There he is. Oh, yeah. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.